Split Tube Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Help, 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 help. to the king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Read Stephen King's books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. King movie, a Stephen King movie. I have done my best. To scare the shit out of you guys. Grab <laughs> 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 that face <laughs> in that chair. Jason <sighs> Markowitz pulling his hair. Hey, everybody. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Yellow. You dirty dog, you killed my misery. Oh, yeah. Today's episode will be all sung. I'm guest host Marcy. (laughs) You killed my misery. Jim, are you there? I'm abstaining from this podcast on account of Morrissey being here. (laughs) It's true. He is a Nazi now. Yeah. It's it, it you know you used to just be able to do a funny voice and have fun yeah. as Morrissey, but now yeah. you have to deal with his <laughs> being a Nazi. Yeah, it really bums me out. <laughs> it really, really takes down the the whole vibe. Why do you hate me? Is it because I hate you? Um, um Jason, I have really good news. You do? Yeah, I um I landed a sponsorship for the podcast. What what is it? It's a uh, it's a um like conglomerate that's pushing healthy snacking for children, uh, and they're gonna give us some money. All I have to do is just eat this carrot all through this episode. Day sixteen <laughs> of whatever. What show is this? I don't know. I just chewed up carrots, spit it all over my floor. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. This is a nightmare. I'm a I'm a human man, and with me is a cartoon <laughs> rabbit, and we're here to talk to you. About <laughs> Where did you go? Misery. We're talking about misery today. Misery. You murdered my misery. Jason, so you... Sorry, I'm going to have a little carrot in my mouth until I get it all swallowed. (laughs) (laughs) That bit is really jamming up my whole episode. This... uh, (laughs) So, 
when you laid out the movies that we were doing for this terrible, terrible podcast, you told me we were skipping movies that were not horror movies, such as Dolores Claiborne, uh, a movie about a golem, and uh, The Green Mile, a movie about a long hike. But this movie, Jason, it's also not a horror movie. It's just a doofy, dark comedy film. And I felt deceived. Are you... So... So that... Look. What? (laughs) This is... This is a movie, Jason, where... where, (laughs) I came into this movie thinking that it was going to be... A writer, I knew it's a writer, right? Everyone knows the basis of misery, right? It's like Cujo. We all, it's, there's a writer, he yeah. gets kidnapped by Kathy Bates, and then she... Kathy, Kathy Bates kidnaps she, James Conn. And murders his ankles. Um, uh-huh. And presumably other stuff. Uh, and you think it's going to be about... And causes him misery. Misery. You think it's going to be about a, a normal lady slowly turning into a monster, but she starts, Jason, at 115% and only goes up from there. There's no part of this movie where you don't think she's completely crazy. Um, and James Conn, Jason, is also... He, he's, he's James Conning the whole movie. He's just, he's got a big jaw, and he says pithy one-liners, and he's getting slowly murdered in a bed, and Throwing he, snowballs. And he just smolders about it. He's never, you never, he, he never feels like he's in more danger than an, than an action hero, you know? Um, uh-huh. and, so I, and Rob Reiner <laughs> the whole time, Jason, is playing, like, bibbidi-boop-boop child child movie. It's like, the, the score is from Heavyweights, Jason. The score <laughs> in this movie is, it's from Ernest Goes to Camp. Um, it's, the whole movie is just like a, like a lark. So, plus, okay, movie- plus, Jason... <laughs> I'm going to keep talking until I'm out of carrot. Plus, Richard Farnsworth... (laughs) Richard Farnsworth spends this whole movie being like, I'm the delightful sheriff, boop-ba-doop-doop, and chasing down and just on a path to being murdered with a shotgun. Uh, But just being such a folksy delight. Which is also... My favorite off-brand ding-dong. Folksy Delight. I could really go for a Folksy Delight. (laughs) A chocolate-frosted Folksy Delight. Folksy Delights ain't never caused no one misery. (laughs) Uh, Jim, I think... (laughs) I don't... So, I would like to promise you, Mm -hmm. truly, that this is a horror movie. Mm. And was received as such, and intended as such, mm. by the, <laughs> the creators and the audience. You, I think what you're responding to mm-hmm. is just that this is what mainstream thrillers felt like in the 90s. Is that true? This is the first... So just... What? In case anybody couldn't quite parse what we were saying. Yeah. This, the film we're talking about is Misery. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think, the first, not counting The Shining, because Kubrick's a weirdo, mm-hmm. the first prestige King adaptation. Sure. So, like, all the adaptations we've seen up until now have been some degree of scrappy or disreputable or off to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first, like, full-on 
mainstream, popular, acceptable in, like, cocktail parties kind of <laughs> king adaptation. Yes. Yeah, we've, um, we've, Jason, we've launched, we've vaulted to the other side of it, right? That was... Yes. Your 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 central crux of the Stephen King, and and it is it's until then things are uh, they're a little bit B movie, even if they're not B movie, they're all sort of yeah. there's a scrappiness to them, and then it sort of gels in a way, right? It's what you were saying eighty five days ago, and and this movie, yeah. just the other side of it, is definitely it feels like it's building. It, it feels like there's an assumption in this film that Stephen King is worth something, which hasn't been there previously. Yeah, and it was a move by... So, Rob Reiner directed it, and it's the first movie that he made, I think, under his uh, Castle Rock mm -hmm. Entertainment right. company. Which I thought, Jason, um, for a long time was Stephen King's personal production company, because <laughs> why wouldn't it be? Uh, right, because it's Castle Rock. And it's kind but of no, Rob Reiner just took Rob the Reiner, name. Yeah, he, was, he said, give me your town. <laughs> yeah, and he just jacked it. Yeah. Um, but so th this was a big, uh, I think, gambit for Reiner to not end up pigeonholed as a comedy director. Because mm -hmm. he'd made, if I'm not mistaken, he'd made This is Spinal Tap, and sure. that was popular. Sure. And then he'd made When Harry Met Sally, and sure. that was huge. Yeah. Um, and I think he wanted to... In fact, I know, I remember reading about how he wanted to, like, show that he could do other things, like thrillers. Mm, which he um, fails at spectacularly, <laughs> I say, your, your perspective <laughs> is that he has still just made a comedy. Yeah. And maybe it's that he has, like, comedy instincts that are still coming out. But I genuinely think that this movie, as written by William Goldman yes. and directed by Rob Reiner mm -hmm. and acted by James Caan mm -hmm. and Kathy Bates, mm -hmm. is intended to be frightening or at least disturbing. I Richard Farnsworth, I'll give you. I believe but that's you. a delightful bit yeah, of comic yeah, movie. Yeah, he's he's there's no way there's no way that Richard Farnsworth is not being a, a fun time side story. The um I believe you, Jason, that William Goldman wrote something with teeth to it. <laughs> but I do not believe that Rob Reiner made that. Well, I do think that what you're reacting to is the fact that I don't think Rob Reiner made something with teeth to it. Yes. Um, but I don't think that equates to him making a comedy. I think that equates to him making a movie palatable for high-class mainstream mm. audiences. But it's not... Like, this is, this is it's not you know, a movie... In a, in a just kind of tepid way. It's toothless in a it's full of dumb jokes way. Again, I'm gonna... I'm gonna have to say I'm not sure. Some of them, yes, were jokes. Jason, the movie starts sort of, with like James dark Com jokes, throwing a snowball at a tree, and then and saying, "I still got it," <laughs> and then cutting straight to I don't remember what the song is, but it's like a it's like a rock and roll guitar noodle. He's like, "Shazam!" I'm James Conn. That's how the movie starts. That's its thesis yeah, but that's statement. the happy time before the horror starts. Yeah, but that's a happy time like, before horror starts. I finished starts. my book. I pop my champagne. <laughs> And then I, oh no, I crashed my car in the snow. Yeah. And then we move into the horror. Yeah. Like, before that, it's also, I also can tell you exactly why he throws that snowball. Mm -hmm. uh, because I read William Goldman's book, in which he talks about writing the screenplay, and he put that in there because um, the, the rest of the film requires you to believe that James Caan is the kind of person who has been, like, physically fit, and so would be able to... Uh, you know, build himself back up in that yeah. wheelchair to do the things that he needs to do. 
Uh, and so he needed a way to economically communicate sure. his physical fitness. So he had him throw a snowball See, and hit a tree. Jason, this is... And be like, yes, I did it. This is a prime example of the disconnect between Goldman and Reiner. Because Goldman <laughs> wrote that assuming that he was going to cast a spindly writer-looking dude. And Rob Reiner right. being... 40% a dum-dum was like, oh, I'm going straight to James Conn for this role, which is also shorthand for I'm a tough guy. You, you, yeah. At that point, you don't need a, sp- a snowball. You don't. You just need to see his jaw one time. <laughs> or honestly, you just need to see his name in the credits. And you're like, oh. Yeah. I know. Um, I, 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 I feel like I don't disagree with your core observations of the film. <laughs> you have just turned them into positives that I don't necessarily think the film deserves. <laughs> I well, because this, like, this film is fine. It's mostly a good time. It's f- totally fine. I, Farnsworth, I I think is a high point. Yeah. I think watching Kathy Bates do work is always delightful, and watching her Kathy do work Bates in this movie it. never it never made me feel bad. I also don't think I've ever heard her talk in her higher register before, and that was <laughs> probably the most disconcerting character choice she makes. <laughs> Yeah, no, she, Kathy Bates is turning in a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a career making performance as it literally was. Sure. Um, she's, you know, and, and Khan is conning it up. Yeah. He's, you know, did the, he maybe acts a little bit more in this movie than he had in the like previous 45 <laughs> and the following 26, sure. but like not by that much. Right. Um, but no, Richard Farnsworth and Francis Sternhagen are by far yes. the best part of the oh, movie. Oh yeah. Um, as the they're, as the aging sheriff and his wife, functionally two characters from Batteries Not Included. <laughs> well, they just yeah, they're they're just like having a fun time solving this mystery yeah. as an old married couple. Yeah. They had like a real Nick and Nora Charles yes. energy going on. Yes, and I personally would have been absolutely fine, nay, vastly preferred <laughs> the film to just to have been about them. Oh, for sure. And then, like, 20% of the time we cut away to, like, what's happening with James Caan? Will they find him in time? But yes. mostly it's them, like, sassing each other and doing a crossword and then solving a clue. I love that. I yeah, love that I would movie. watch that movie forever. There's, Jason, there's one specific moment I want to call out that I think is the strongest moment in the whole movie and it's when Farnsworth has just I don't know what his character is and I don't care uh, he's just gone to a general store because he's begun to suspect that Kathy Bates is going to murder James Khan, and he he asks the man who runs the store who's who's uh, who's basically David Keckner if um, <laughs> if if she's been in there buying papers and the guy's like newspapers and he's like no oh no the guy's like hi she's been buying paper and farnsworth is like newspapers and he's like no writing paper and (laughs) richard farnsworth says nothing odd about that but mid-sentence turns his body and then whips his head to follow his body and just immediately (laughs) beelines out the door and it's one of the most delightful i rewound and watched just that moment maybe six times i would recommend that anyone if who doesn't want to watch this movie find just that moment it's in the middle somewhere good luck no there's a, a real missed opportunity to have made uh you know easily six movies yes. starring them oh, as a crime fighting couple absolutely uh in the in the frozen hills uh the i really i i mourn for the loss of it is but i'm glad to have what we have in this movie before fargo no this has got to be after fargo was Misery before or after? I feel like it was before. Is it? They could have had yeah. the jump on Fargo if they made this movie about this. Totally. Guys. Totally. It's a, there, there's, a, there's a better Fargo just and sitting that's... inside this movie and nobody could find it. That's so sad. Um, the... 
the 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 movie's fine. Uh, it's been you know it, it's it's like a an acknowledged classic or whatever, which is I weird guess. because like, it doesn't feel that strong to me. No, I thought it was I, like, dark. It, I thought it was funny, but I've seen darker and funnier movies. I think, ca- well, I think also, honestly, it, I think this movie's whole reputation is on Kathy Bates. One hundred percent, it's on Kathy Bates. Um, <clears throat> and it, but it also is very much the. It's like the. I don't know. I think about this, and I think about Carrie. Mm-hmm. Like, Carrie is also had been accepted as sort of a mainstream American classic. Sure. But at the time, it it wasn't exactly, I, I feel like, as, as... Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'm just putting on, like, whatever the opposite of rose-colored glasses is for older movies. Greenish, but I feel like it, it came from okay. a slightly seedier, trashier place yeah. than Misery, which, yeah. as I said, is this, like... It's got Rob Reiner directing. It's got William Goldman writing. Yes. It's got Barry Sonnenfeld doing the photography you know and it's it's these there's movie stars and it's gonna be you know wide released by a major studio um it it just it again like i watch it and i'm like okay i kind of get it and if i had like i don't know seen this on television or had a vhs tape of it when i was 13 i'd probably have a lot more affection for it like i do for something around the same time like the Fugitive or The Net sure. or something like these, you know, f- totally fine thrillers that have like something in them that you catch early and you're like, oh yeah, that was exciting. But coming to it now yeah. and especially coming to it, having gone through all of the other Stephen King stuff yeah. and having seen so many other movies, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, that's a thriller. And yeah. that's why my reaction to your whole comedy bit is to say like, I really think you're, you're like, you're reaching for something more alive than is there because it really is just like this is what thrillers were like and it has a little bit more spark because rob reiner does have you know a a slight edge to him in terms of being a you know a comedian and william goldman has a lot of edge to him in terms of being william goldman you know and and james con and kathy bates are are both in their own way yeah like bringing a lot to the film sure. you know kathy bates more in terms of actual acting Absolutely. but james Conn in terms of his like movie star persona yeah. uh, but it just doesn't i don't think it really i don't adds up to that much more than the sum of its parts here's my i agree i agree with your final statement there but i do think jason i think if we were i think if you broke down the score of this movie versus say cape fear you would <laughs> you would say one of these is meant to be a doofus, and one of them is meant to be upsetting. But the, by the music, you mean? Yes. If you just listen I think to if the you music took separate, any I think many of the elements of this film, if you looked at them individually, you would say, "Oh, this is comedic. This this can't not be comedic." I mean, I think so. I think there is a slight. I guess maybe I'm just objecting to it being saying that it's just a dark comedy, or like that it's more comedic than. Uh, horrific, sure. because certainly audiences at that time mm-hmm. took it to be extremely horrific and disturbing, and it was the kind of like water cooler, like horror movie, well, like The Birds or you know something like that, where people were like, "Oh my god, did you see that? Oh, they did this." You know, it became a real touchstone. So maybe, maybe but there's always like Hitchcock. There's always comedy yeah. mixed in with the humor, with the horror. Sure. But this movie, well, I don't know. I read there's like that dumb penguin that she turns around as like emblematic. The, Jason, the he finds that book of all of her <laughs> wrongdoings and newspaper clippings, and he flips through, it and it's like 
oh, there a man was murdered, her ex-husband. And then another page that's like, oh, someone murdered the head of the baby ward. And then a page that's like, ooh, a, a newspaper clipping about a baby being murdered. And another an, another article about another baby being murdered. And, and there's a piece of paper on top of this article, Jason, where someone has written in 14-year-old girl handwriting font another baby that's that's a kids in the hall joke that's a that's not a decision that someone made thinking it was scary i see i think that it's just meant to show how deranged she is and it's meant to be this is a little bit like your inability to understand why people are afraid of clowns like it's the scariness of something that should be nice but it's not but she jason isn't she isn't uh I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I <laughs> She isn't knowingly being deranged, you know? She's No, of course not, but that's why she's like keeping a scrapbook of these things and writing like frilly notes in it like they're scrapbooks of nice things, mm-hmm. but they're scrapbooks of horrible things that are things that she's done. But I don't feel like the movie plays her that way. I don't know. You don't think the movie plays her as crazy? No, no, no. It plays her as crazy. It plays her as crazy. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I will say the one time that the movie, I think, there to get to your idea of like a real tension between what William Goldman understands and what Rob Reiner understands, yeah. there there's a scene in the movie where, in my opinion, the script mm-hmm. is on Annie's side, sure. on Kathy Bates' side, and the, the direction is try is not mm-hmm. and i think that the script is correct it's when she's complaining about do you remember the scene she she's complaining about uh seeing a movie when she was a kid mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a serial mm-hmm. the rocket man oh yeah yes of course i remember that. and it's when she's telling it's, it's when she's telling uh james Kahn why what he's written in the novel that she's forcing him to write yes. is inadequate. Yes. It's because he hasn't done the work to like honestly get around a genuine plot problem that he's created for himself. Yeah. She tells this story about watching these serials that she used to love to see, or what is it she calls them? She gets real mad when remember. he calls she them something else. She has a different else. name for it, but I don't remember what it is. It's like chapter movies yeah. or something like that. And it, then he's like, oh, they're called cliffhangers. She's like, I know that, I'm not stupid. <laughs> Um, but she talks about seeing this one that was super exciting to her because like the rocket man is trapped in a car and then you see the car go off a cliff and it hits the water and you're like, Oh no, how's he going to get out of that one? And then when she comes back the next week, they just add, they show like what happened at the end, but they just add a shot in there that wasn't in the last week of him getting getting out of the car at the last second and everybody cheers. And she, as a child and also in this scene now remembering it gets furious because it's such a cheat yeah. and you didn't like this is you just got cheated out of your genuine like plot and genuine inventiveness that this writer or whoever you know crafted this ode to you mm-hmm. and the thing is jim in the movie she's played as like getting into the height of her madness yeah. and the height of her insanity Agreed. in this moment and this is when she's really scary yeah. but it's also when she's the most absolutely <laughs> sane and correct yeah. it's a super because salient. that is a cheat yeah. And everybody should be exactly that mad about sure. it. And what's more, she's being a very good editor <laughs> to James Conn. Yeah. Like, she... This is one thing they changed for the movie from the book mm-hmm. that I really annoyed me, is that... So, in the movie and the book, she <laughs> forces him... James Conn yeah. has killed off his, like, popular character, mm-hmm. Misery, in his books. And because he's sick of it... Which is a joke. Sick of it's writing them. He wants to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and so, 
and and Annie, who's kidnapped yeah. him, is is obsessed with misery, yes. and she finally reads the new novel and finds out that he killed mm-hmm. her, and she forces him to write a new novel in which misery is is not dead. Yes. Um, but when he brings her back to life through like a simple writer's cheat, she's like, no, this won't yeah. do it. This is not convincing. And she's right. Yeah. And in the book, she forces him to write this book and she goes through all of this stuff and he ends up publishing the book. Oh, Like after she dies in the movie, he, he burns, burns it in front spite. of her yeah. to like drive her crazy. In the book, he burns a decoy because in his heart of hearts, he knows that she just made him do the best work of his That's life. Amazing. And he can't get rid of it. That, um, that, makes it so much better <laughs> yeah, yeah because it's so Jason, much better Jason, we've talked before about how jason uh about how king's sorry i'm getting flustered about how king's books and thereby movies are just absolute direct metaphors for things he's going through at that moment um oh yeah and this when you watch this movie it reads as super hateful to his audience because it's clearly a movie about how he wants to stop doing whatever he's doing and just move on and do something else, but his audience won't let him. They're tying him to a bed and smashing his ankles with a hammer. Uh, but but that changes. In the, the book, ending. she actually cuts his foot off. Oh, really? <laughs> That's the other thing they changed. <laughs> William Goldman had a huge fight with Rob Reiner where he was like, "We have to do this scene. Yeah. It's the best scene in the book. She's gonna cut his feet off." And Rob Reiner's like, "No, everybody will walk out of the theater. You know, I'll lose my middle class audience." You know what I bet Rob Reiner actually said? I bet he said, "No, because I'm making a comedy, and you can't fully slice off someone's <laughs> foot in a comedy." Um, that that minor change, Jason, makes this a movie about Stephen King feeling trapped by his audience, but but that fanatical audience pushing him to make better things. That makes it. It completely flips yeah. the whole... St- it's an ode to tough editors. Yeah, that's... It's an ode to audience demands. That makes it a beautiful movie. Yeah. Or story. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything. That's really... I... What are you going to say? I'm going to say that Rob Reiner is good at putting a crew together, and that is the extent of his directing ability. <laughs> Come at me, Rob. <laughs> what do you got? I mean, money in a career, sure, but... <laughs> money career a twitter account from which he foams at the mouth about russian conspiracy yeah. theories um he's gone full meathead lately I mean, so i don't think anybody's gonna be coming out to defend rob reiner yeah. too hard that's fair. um but yeah you know they, like i said this movie's fine there's better william goldman movies there's better rob reiner movies uh yeah of course there's better kathy bates I movies don't... probably there's better james <laughs> Conn movies there's better movies yeah. with a ceramic penguin. There's better movies with a pig named Misery, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> There's not, however, a better movie about Richard Farnsworth. That might be true. And Francis Sternhagen yeah. solving mysteries and that's a as shame, an old, Jason. sarcastic, married couple. There should be a better movie about that. There should be And really, if we can carry, carry anything away from this, yeah. is that everybody should watch this movie, if only so that they can dream mm. the movies that you'll never get to see. Yeah. Uh, that could have been. I wish there was enough of them that you could edit this down into a 25-minute TV pilot for a show about them, but there isn't even that much of them. No. No, there's not. I do want to... It makes me want to read the book just to see what the tone of their scenes is like, because, to me, their scenes felt very William Goldman and not as much Stephen King. Um, So I'd, I'd be interested to see what he 
what he brought to it that wasn't necessarily in the novel. Really, the same with the Rocketman rant. Oh, That's sure. probably in the book, or some version of it is in yeah. the book. But the the passion of it and the way it's phrased, yeah. like that is a William Goldman rant. Sure. It, or that's what it sounds like anyway. Yeah. So either William Goldman found you know his own heart in Stephen King's words, yeah. or he really did some work in yeah. there. Uh, so, but yeah, that's misery. misery. I, you know, I guess I'm not I'm not miserable. No, it was fine. Movie lands firmly <laughs> in the, the middle. Stupidest trick. <laughs> Remember, kids, carrots will solve any problem you have with your eyeballs. Literally, any medical issue with your eyeballs. Just, just stick the carrots in your eyeballs. Yeah, just rub it on there. <laughs> Solves it. All right, we're at time, and there's a number of places there that we can just cut it. We should start a business called Tom's Carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Hell to the King is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is recorded before a live studio audience of people who apparently never learn to stay quiet while someone else is talking. Yes, I'm talking about you, in the red sweater. You're real mouthy. Shut it, shut, shut it, shut, 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 shut.